0: The city of Charlottesville, Virginia has voted to stop celebrating the birthday of Thomas Jefferson, who lived and died there. The move came just 2 years after the city elected its first bitter pandering mayor, Miss I Pander Bitterly. Miss Bitterly told reporters, quote, "Given the racist history of the United States, it's not enough for bitter panders to be overrepresented in the news media and on Twitter and in university administrations and in one of the two major political parties." I will not rest until bitter pandering has become the standard for all human interactions throughout the land, unquote. Virginia Governor Ralph Northam applauded the move, saying Jefferson could not be forgiven for owning people the same color as he was when he was wearing blackface and pictures in his med school yearbook. In a statement delivered after a rousing tap dancing rendition of Mammy How I Love You, Governor Northam said, quote, as an occasional person, person of color, I want to express my solidarity for all the people who are the same color I dressed up as and who were oppressed by Democrats wearing white sheets in a serious way, not in a hilarious way. Me and my pals did it when I was taking those pictures, unquote. Charlottesville was the scene of grotesque violence two years ago when hate groups commandeered a local dispute over a statue of Robert E. Lee. At the time, Donald Trump suggested that if we started taking down statues of men like Lee, we would soon move on to attacking founding fathers like Washington and Jefferson. Time Magazine, The Huffington Post, Rolling Stone, and The New York Times, a former newspaper, all attacked Trump, saying there could be no comparison between Lee and Washington and Jefferson until the left chose to make that comparison in its ongoing attempts to destroy the country. Only then would it be OK. As Mayor Bitterly told reporters, quote, we will continue to destroy reverence for all historical figures with human flaws until people are morally perfect or our country lies in ruins, whichever comes first. Trigger warning. I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is zippity-zing. It's a
1: wonderful day. Hooray, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hooray, hooray. Oh,
0: hooray, hurray All right, welcome back. I hope you had a great July 4th weekend. A little while ago, I compared Donald Trump to Randall Patrick McMurphy, the hero of Ken Kesey's great novel One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Maybe you saw the Oscar-winning film with Jack Nicholson. McMurphy is not a good person. He's a hard-drinking, hard-fighting, womanizing roustabout who just barely manages to avoid getting thrown in prison by claiming to be insane. So he's committed to a psychiatric facility instead. In that facility, McMurphy finds a group of men who have been chemically and psychologically castrated by an evil nurse named Nurse Ratched or Hillary Clinton or something I can't remember what her name was exactly, but this nurse claims to be acting for the good of all but is really exerting a crippling control over the neurotics in her charge. McMurphy, just by being the troublemaker he is, tears Nurse Ratched's evil dominion to pieces and helps set some of the inmates free. Now I Completely stand by that analysis. Trump is the not altogether good guy who happens to be the necessary man of the moment. He broke the soft mental tyranny of political correctness and the toxic sanctimony of woke leftism. But once those chains are broken, the question is, what do the freed inmates do with their new freedom? And what has begun to really impress me and fill me with fresh hope for our country is how terrific Trump's deplorable followers have been in filling up the space he's made for them with a new birth of American patriotism. The anti-Trump intellectuals on both the left and right were worried that the deplorables would lose their moral minds following Trump. They would start to behave like him, go anywhere he went and excuse anything he did, essentially adopting his dodgy personal morality as their own. And yeah, that has happened here and there, but mostly Trump has created a space for the deplorables to show who they are. Not the racist, hate-filled, small-minded rubes depicted by Hollywood, the news media, and the universities, but patriotic Americans ready to celebrate what this country stands for and what it has accomplished and to accomplish more in the oncoming days. And as the deplorables step up to make America great again, the left in its increasing desperation to control a narrative being taken out of their hands, is showing itself for what it is, a racist, hate-filled, small-minded bunch of rubes who are more deplorable than the deplorables have ever been. All of it reached a peak this Independence Day. It really did. You know, I've been saying for a long time, I've, you've heard me say this, I'm sure, a million times, that Donald Trump has this magic power for making other people destroy themselves. I noticed this immediately during the, uh, you know, the run-up to the election, uh, the primaries when he got the other candidates to destroy themselves. You remember Marco Rubio making those jokes about Trump's hands and kind of descending to Trump's level, except what Trump could do and get away with, Rubio couldn't. It basically ended his Uh, campaign. Jeb Bush trying to prove that he wasn't low energy. Jeb tried to make himself look dynamic and forceful and just made an utter fool of himself. That ended his campaign. It wasn't Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz is a brilliant guy, but he thought he was going to outsmart Donald Trump. My friend Donald, remember, he was going to wait and wait until all the other candidates were gone. And all that meant was he was the last guy to get devoured. Trump didn't destroy them he just magicked them into destroying them, them uh, themselves. It was kind of like this Jedi mind trick. And after what's it been like two and a half years of the leftist news media, the media Democrat complex, trying to strike Trump down, he has become more powerful than they could ever imagine. He is the Jedi, Jedi guy who has now driven them all crazy. And over the July 4th weekend. It, it was amazing, it was amazing what how the left showed themselves, what they showed themselves to be. I thought it was the worst week that the left has had since I can remember. They just literally destroyed themselves at Trump's magic command, basically. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to look at what happened over July 4th. But first, let's talk about uh, Roman, you know, all through history, powerful men, guys, rich men, have been looking for ways to in- restore their sexual confidence All of us want to be sexually confident. We want to communicate uh, with our wives and we want to feel good about our sex lives with our wives. 52% of guys over the age of 40 and 26% under 40 experience erectile dysfunction. I, I did not know that, you know, <laughs> that's very that's interesting. Studies show that 70% of men who experience ED don't get treated for it. Why? They're embarrassed. That's where our friends at Roman come in. Roman created an easy way to get checked out by a doctor and get treated for ED online. With Roman, you can get medical care for ED, if appropriate, from the comfort and privacy of your own home. Handle everything online in a convenient, discreet manner. Getting started is simple, just go to getroman.com/claven and sometime and complete an online visit if your doctor decides the treatment would be appropriate they can prescribe genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging right to your door with free two-day shippings. Go talk to the doctor. It's easy. Erectile dysfunction can be tough to tackle, but it's really important to get checked out. Go to GetRoman.com slash Clavin to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash Clavin for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash Clavin. And don't be embarrassed to ask, how do you spell Clavin? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. So, 4th of July, Donald Trump holds a parade and he has some is a tribute to the military and he has some um, tanks and flyovers and the Blue Angels are there. And it's a, it's a great big Trumpian extravaganza. So so the, the press acts like this has never happened before. Uh, that guy from The Washington Post, Eugene Peterson, I think his name is. He says, oh, this has never, never happened before. It's never happened. Now, I just want to tell you, Back in 1986, I was a news writer for a radio station named W-O-R, called WOR in New York, and they reopened uh, it was the centenary of the Statue of Liberty, I believe, and they reopened it, and it was an extravaganza like nothing you have ever seen. I was there. I was out on Liberty Island. I was watching uh, from a, the news booth. Uh, there was three days of celebration: the third, the fourth, and the fifth. There were sail, uh, big sailboats coming down the the river uh, in the in New York Harbor. There were battleships coming by of fireworks. I mean, it was huge. And Ronald Reagan spoke from the battleship by the USS uh, Iowa, I believe it was, while he was watching this parade of battleships going down. Here's just a a clip of Ronald Reagan speaking on the 4th of July, 1986. I was there.
1: Fifty-six men came forward to sign the parchment. It was noted at the time that they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honors. That was more than rhetoric. Each of those men knew the penalty for high treason to the crown. We must all hang together, Benjamin Franklin said, or assuredly we will all hang separately. And John Hancock, it is said, wrote his signature in large script so King George could see it without his spectacles. They were brave. They stayed brave through all the bloodshed of the coming years. Their courage created a nation built on a universal claim to human dignity, on the proposition that every man, woman, and child and a right to a future of freedom.
0: Now remember, I was in the press corps at this time. I was a news writer. I remember I wrote a, a lead which made a big splash because they relit the uh, the Statue of Liberty, and in the poem it says her torches imprisoned lightning. And I said something like, today that lightning struck again. And I remember the guys who ran the radio station stood up in the front row and gave me these two big thumbs up for that great lead that I delivered. The press loved this. We prepared for weeks to cover this thing. We loved it. We thought it was great. It was a big event. It was uh, patriotic. It gave us something to cover in the doldrums of the summer. And it was just, you know, a t- tremendous pro-American event. Now, let me show you how the press, which has become the most corrupt enemy of the people it can possibly be. Let me show you from our friends at Newsbusters, how they covered uh, the July 4th, parade Donald Trump was going to give before, this is before it even happened. This is cut number seven.
1: Donald Trump has
2: hijacked the nation's previously nonpartisan Fourth of July celebration. Is this just norm defying or is there anything dangerous about it? It's just obscene. And the speech is going to be dreadful.
1: They're going to have their Confederate flags flying and their license plates and all kinds of troublemaking.
2: You will hear criticism of his Critics, you will hear um, a celebration of self. There'll be a lot of other people that are going to meet like in a storm and you're going to have a real conflict. There's all kinds of catastrophes. They're not sure if the bridges over the Potomac can handle the tanks. He's turning a traditionally nonpartisan event into a Trump focused campaign style rally. Sure looks like a partisan re-election rally on public space. Donald Trump's campaign rally in Washington paid for by the American taxpayer. A
1: campaign event.
2: Some kind of a campaign speech. A political rally.
1: Partisan event.
2: Combination Trump rally and Kim Jong-un-style military
1: parade. The president's vision bears a closer resemblance to the chest-thumping displays put on by authoritarian regimes. This is the kind of military display that we were used to
2: seeing from the Soviet Union.
1: I'm thinking Red Square, um, North Korea. Egypt. The hope for violence would be, of course, treasonous. Not to expect it would be naive. <laughs> It's the bridge is going to collapse. The
0: bridge will fall down. There'll be violence. It's Tiananmen Square. I mean, some of that is MSNBC, which you kind of expect from them. But Maggie Haberman Haberman of the New York Times, the Clinton operative, who's now the White House correspondent for the New York Times, she she's sitting there saying, "Oh, he's this is what he's going to do. He's going to criticize his opponents. He's going to you know it's going to be a campaign rally." I mean, all that shows you. All that shows you is the difference between 1986 and now, which is not the country, it's not Donald Trump, it's the press. And the press was destroyed by Barack Obama, by covering up, for Barack Obama, by covering up the scandals and the unconstitutional behavior of Barack Obama, by their racist, their racial pathology, because they could not report honestly on the first Holy African-American president. They couldn't report honestly. It destroyed what was left of the honesty of the press. And the press is now gone. That's the press. And I'm telling you, I was there in 1986. We loved that celebration. Of course we did. We loved our country. They were all liberals then. Everybody in the press was liberal then. But they loved the country. And they supported, the, they hated Reagan. They thought Reagan was a terrible guy. But they loved the country. And they loved the flag waving and the fireworks and the whole thing. And the battleships coming by and uh, all that stuff. And there was not no talk about it being military not that I recall anything like that. It's certainly not in the mainstream press like what you're watching there. Let me uh, pause for just a sec and talk about Teeter, you know, I've I've told you this before. The years of I've been an outdoorsman all my life. I've fallen off cliffs. I've fallen off water skis. I've fallen just about everywhere, and I've got a lot of pain uh, in my arm and my shoulder. If you hang upside down, it is a great way to decompress the back and get rid of back uh, back pain. Uh, Decompressing on a teeter inversion table for a few minutes a day is a great addition, really, to anyone's daily routine and to maintain a healthy spine and an active lifestyle without the pain. Believe me, the things they've told me they wanted to do to me uh, to get rid of this pain have been just grotesque, but this is such an easy way to handle it. For a limited time, you can get the upgraded model of the Teeter Fit Spine Inversion Table with bonus accessories traction handles, and easy reach ankle system, plus a free inversion program mat with 24 illustrated stretches and exercises. Teeter inversion tables have thousands of reviews on Amazon and are rated at 4.9 stars, which is not easy, believe me. And with this deal, you'll get $150 off when you go to teeter.com Andrew. You'll also get free shipping, free returns, and a 60-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. Remember, you can only get the upgraded model of the Teeter fit inversion table, plus a free inversion program program, Matt, for 150 bucks off by going to teeter.com slash Andrew. That's T-E-E-T-E-R.com slash Andrew. So now let's look at the, the fact. That, that's how the news covered what was going to happen. The bridge was going to collapse. It was going to be a campaign speech. Everything was going to fall apart. Let us now cover a little bit of Trump's speech, which was completely nonpartisan, completely patriotic, and really on point, very touching to
1: As we gather this evening, in the joy of freedom, we remember that all share a truly extraordinary heritage. Together, we are part of one of the greatest stories ever told, the story of America. It is the epic tale of a great nation whose people have risked everything for what they know is right and what they know is true. It is the chronicle of brave citizens who never give up on the dream of a better and brighter future. And it is the saga of 13 separate colonies that united to form the most just and virtuous republic ever conceived. On this day, 243 years ago, our founding fathers pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to declare independence and defend our God-given rights.
0: So that's Trump. He's making basically the same speech Reagan made. What what are we going to say? It's the same thing we should remember all the time. These guys pledged their honor and their lives. And as Ben Franklin said, if we don't hang together, we're all going to hang separately. And they would have by putting their names on that paper. And that's why John Adams, uh, John Hancock became such a byword because he signed such a big um, signature on the on the declaration. That was his death warrant. He was signing his death warrant. Uh, They all did. And it's an amazing thing. They did that so we could be free. And we have been free. We've been freer than any people ever before. So free that people imitate us. Even the people who don't imitate us, like the Soviet Union, had to pretend to imitate us. They had to call themselves the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics. Why did they do that? They weren't republics. They were slave states. Why did they call that? Because we had become the standard for freedom and prosperity and power in the world. That's why they did it. They had to lie about it to be like us, to seem to be like us. That's what Trump did. Here's how the press reacted. This is just a selection. Phil Mud, crazy Phil Mud from CNN, reacting to Trump's speech and the, and the parade.
2: Well, let's see, let me be subtle here. At a professional level, 25 years in national security, I hated it. At a personal level, I hated it more. Let me tell you something. When we're in the midst of July 4th after after 9-11, when I was at the CIA, I thought we were celebrating the defense of ideals, the right to live free and fair, the right to live according to those documents that our founding fathers established, the right to, to, of every person, every citizen in this country to pretend like they can be president, the right to have economic opportunity. I didn't realize we were fighting for the chance to pay for guns. For weapons, I did national security. I thought this this was about ideals, and now we've made it about the military. That's not what the founding fathers gave us. They gave us the gift of ideals. At a personal level, excuse me, but now we have the Super Bowl is invaded by politics. Players are kneeling. The Women's World Cup is invaded by politics. A dispute about whether women go to the White House. We have a stupid dispute by of of politics this week about whether Nike puts a flag on a shoe. Can we actually have a day with hamburgers, hot dogs, and a? few beers without a politician please one day and now we can't because now we got politicians saying let's celebrate guns and aircrafts and forget about the founding fathers who talked about being cautious with the standing military <laughs>
0: I love, these guys are so inside it's like he didn't even watch the parade. He didn't listen to the speech. He just showed up. He could have made that speech before it, but not after it, you know? I mean, he just they weren't paying attention. They all think the same thing. They all believe the same thing. They all know that they have to show up and serve their corporate masters, because that's what they're doing. If you ever wonder, if you ever wonder why the news media, why these people don't like look in the mirror and say, you know what? I'm lying to people. I'm just selling my own. Uh, opinions, why they don't ever wake up, it's because if the corporate media can convince just 2%, 3% of ignorant, ill-informed voters that this is the truth, they've done what they need to do. They've done their job. That's what they're after. They're after the big government that supports big business. That is what they do. That is why these corporations employ these guys who just all think the same thing and would never employ. I would like to see, truly, truly, I would like to see one person in a position of editorial authority who voted for Donald Trump, just one. So now, Here's the thing. Trump by not caring, by striking back at the news media, by brushing aside the accusations of racism, we've all heard of him. He doesn't even he doesn't apologize, he doesn't make excuses, he doesn't explain. They don't ask him to explain. He knows they don't because they want to be able to interpret his speeches as racist and say he's a racist. If they actually ask him straight out, they'll find out he's not, but they don't want to do that. They just reinterpret what he says by ignoring them, by being the belligerent, not very nice Randall Patrick McMurphy type that he is. He has created a space for people who are much better than he is for people who are much better than the left, for the deplorables who showed up. I mean, show pictures, show the pictures of them. These are people, they're all different colors. They're all, I'm sure they're all different religions. They're waving flags. They're having a good time. They're celebrating. This is not politics. This is celebrating, you know, the uh, the founding fathers, celebrating the ideas that made the country gay. And yes, celebrating the military. You know, I mean, the military is, you know, we don't, we never live at peace. We always live under threat. We always live under the threat of violence. When you go to the opera, when you watch TV, when you're with your boyfriend or girlfriend, that's because people are standing on the border defending you. They're standing out in dangerous places defending you. So this is always a good thing to remember our military and pay tribute to a military that has for almost 250 years been subject to the civilian authority, which is not true in a lot of places. It is, there's nothing wrong with celebrating, uh, celebrating the military on July 4th, all of this all of this was is beautiful and the and the fact that I you know this country is so full of different kinds of people all of them celebrating this idea Trump has made a place for them to do that again after 50 years of our anti-american media now let's just look for a minute at the protesters who were out there and 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 try to well well we'll talk about what what led up to this but here are the protesters out there now uh, you can play this role
1: Planned. wait a minute oh, I'm try to burn the oh. oh. you is there a- oh. Oh, oh my god! great! They just burnt the American flag. He uh,
3: Hey, look, hey, get a shot of that. Look, yo, get a shot of that, bro.
2: Joey for Revolution, I think he's getting arrested, folks.
1: A man who burnt two American flags. He burnt two American flags, two American flags today.
2: And, hey, and Christians hey, hated hey. me for drinking. Free to yes. yeah. right. for hey, hey, you hey, guys. You guys. Hey, hey, you
1: guys. guys. Come on. it hey,
0: They're burning the flag if you can't see it. They're chanting chanting 2468, America was never great. Uh, They're attacking police officers, attacking anybody in a MAGA cap. Uh, Sometimes the MAGA cap people are trying to defend the flag as well. (laughs) Which side do you want to be on? Which world do you want to live in? Which America do you want to live in? Which America does anyone want to live in? And nobody ever, the press never ever asks these people the question if you don't love the country, if you hate the country, why should we trust you to? To do anything to it. Why should we put you in power of a country you hate? You're only going to destroy it. You know, my pal John Nolte over at Breitbart, he wrote a piece that echoed the piece I wrote for the. The Daily Wire, I mean, we wrote them almost at the same time. Democrats just had their worst week in 47 years. He says, not since the 1972 discovery that George McGovern's vice presidential pick, Thomas Eagleton, had been hospitalized and given electroshock treatments have the Democrats had a worse week than the one we just concluded. Because Democrats live on social media and watch CNN, they don't know this yet, but they had a catastrophic week. Who, boy, did they ever. I agree with Nolte completely. He says, let us count the ways. The fake news media is the only shrinking institution in America's booming economy. Before 2019 is over, he says, there will be upwards of 12,000 job cuts within the American media. That's 12,000 fewer Democrat foot soldiers, 12,000 fewer propagandists, serial liars, cheerleaders, and toadies to hold Antifa's jacket as they beat elderly Trump supporters to death with crowbars. And by the way, have you noticed that all these Antifa guys are white and a lot of the people they attack are minorities? Have you noticed that? Not just know the Andy know the uh, the journalist, uh, but but also like a lot of like when a black guy walks by with uh, a MAGA hat, these white guys in masks attack him, and that's supposed to be anti-fascist. You know, Michelle Obama was, gave an interview with Gail, to Gail King saying, you know, they try to betray me. As an angry black woman. A lot of people say Michelle Obama is going to enter the Democrat uh, race and will win if she does. I don't know whether either of those things are true, but she says they try to portray me as an angry black woman and then proceeds to get angry over Trump's inauguration and how awful it was for her to sit there during the inauguration and listen to Gail King's responses.
2: I had to sit in that audience, one of a handful of people of color, and then listen to that speech and All that I had sort of held on to for eight years watching my husband get raped over the coals, feeling like we had to do everything perfectly. You know, no scandal, no (laughs) no nothing. No nothing, y'all. Yes.
1: (laughs) I I think there
2: was it was a it was a lot emotionally. Mm -hmm. So by the time I got on that plane, it was a release. It was a, a release of eight years of having to try to show up as we all know we have to do. We have to show up not only perfectly, but a little bit better than perfect to even be considered
1: equal.
0: So what you saw there was not just Michelle Obama, what you saw was Gayle King. This is the press, right, saying, yeah, no scandals. There was no Benghazi. There was no Fast and Furious. There was no IRS scandal. This just didn't exist because we didn't see them. This is what destroyed the press. This is why the press has no credibility. This is why, as Nolte points out in his article, they are losing jobs when everybody else is hiring all over the place. Uh, number two, he says Democrats lost the sane one, Joe Biden. He says, Joe, slow Joe will always be the stupid one, the gaffe machine on the verge of imploding. But he has now openly embraced gun confiscation, taxpayer-funded abortions, the banning of every gun uh, currently being manufactured, uh, raising everyone's taxes and putting an end to deportation because he has no center. Uh, Biden has no moral center, politically at least, Um, He'll just do what he has to do to get elected. So he's lost his whole um, his whole reason for being there. Nolte goes on, says Democrats handed the Fourth of July to Trump. We pointed that out. Democrats came out against the American flag, the freaking Betsy Ross flag, says John Nolte. You know, that adorable little flag with 13 stars in a circle. Democrats hate that now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is a great piece. No joke. We now have Democrat presidential candidates arguing the American flag, the most potent symbol for freedom and liberty in the history of mankind, is a symbol of, of oppression. This is, you know, Randall Patrick McTrump's magic ability to make people destroy themselves that we saw when he went up against Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz and um, uh, and Jeb Bush. It's now like exploded into this Jedi power that has taken over the entire left. They are coming out against the American flag. Soon it's going to be mom. You know, mom is, ra- if you like your mom, that's racist. If you like apple pie, apple pie. <laughs> you know, by the time they're finished, they're going to hate every good thing in the world. Somebody said this to me the other day every joy that we get in life, the joy of being men and being women, the joy of uh, romance and all these things, they destroy everything. They want to destroy all of it. I, you know, it's an interesting uh, campaign strategy. We'll see how far they get. Uh, Nolte goes on, Democrats are campa- campaigning for votes in Mexico. <laughs> he says, not New next Mexico, Mexico, me- Mexico. For those wondering why Democrats want to flood this country with illegal immigrants, I give you the fiercely heterosexual Cory Booker and the fake Hispanic Patty O'Rourke, both of them went looking for votes in another country, in Mexico. He uh, says Democrat presidential candidates are documented extremist. He said he puts out a, a list of left-wing lunacy, the bottomless list of threats, promises made by these candidates that include gun confiscation, open borders, legalizing abortion uh, until the fetus registers for college, government-funded health insurance for legal aliens, slavery reparations, on and on. Also, he talks about the jobs. Trump had another great job report. Uh, 224,000 jobs created last month. You know, it's, it's just an amazing thing. They said this couldn't happen. Uh, the stock market is still uh, doing great. Uh, he says Cherokee Warren and Kamala forced busing Harris are now presidential front runners, which isn't good. Trump has made these people destroy themselves. There is n- simply no question about it. He has really put them in a bind, and he's basically make- made them show themselves for who they are. I'm going to talk about this a little bit uh, more at the end of the show. Some of the un- some of the underlying things, uh, reasons uh, for this, why this is happening, and why it works so well. But we have uh, Michael Knowles is out of town. I don't know if that's connected to the uh, Jeffrey Ep- Epstein arrest. It's probably just a coincidence that Epstein was arrested in Knowles' blue town. But we. Do- <laughs> To have, just a joke. Just a joke. Uh, we do have Christian Toto with us to discuss films. Always love talking to Christian Toto. That's going to be after we break from Facebook and YouTube. Come to dailywire.com and subscribe. It's a lousy 10 bucks a month, a lousy 100 bucks for the year. The most important thing about this is that that money is in, now in your hands. It should be in our hands because we want it. So come on over to dailywire.com. All right, Christian Toto, we love having him on. He's an award-winning journalist, film critic, and podcaster. He's the founder of HollywoodInToto.com, which I think you should really go over. He has really interesting articles. We'll talk about some of them today. He is host of the weekly Hollywood in Toto HIT podcast, which offers a right-of-center perspective on entertainment news, which is much needed. Christian, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? All right. How was your fourth?
3: Excellent. I'm still laughing at all your commentary the last five. <laughs> This stuff writes itself, but you're doing a wonderful
0: job with it. all. Oh, well, thank you very much. But you're right. I feel guilty because it does write, you know, they, they're like, I sometimes send in my satire to the Daily Wire and say, I'm not sure I should be paid for this, but (laughs) so, you know, I, I, there are a couple of things I want to talk to you about, but let's start with this list that you put out, which made me laugh. Uh, the, the worst movies of 2019, six months early. And, and I have to, I, I, I want to talk about this because I have not been. To a movie, I, I love going to the movies, and I don't think I've been in a, to a movie in two months. And I look every weekend. I say, "What's playing?" And I don't go. Give a. Here, let's take a look at some of the things you uh, you talked about. Here's Serenity is the first one. Uh, this is this was Matthew McConaughey. I didn't see it. What is it about? Darned if I know.
3: <laughs> you know it's, it's it's a movie that's so bad. I think. In maybe two or three years, maybe even sooner, it'll become either a drinking game or a, you know how the room, <laughs> the room is that midnight showing where you go there yes. and you laugh at how bad it is? I think this could be the new one. This could be it. It, it. He's a guy. He's got a boat. He's got a kid. There's a romance here. It's all horrible. And you know what? It goes for broke. It's just, it's horrible from stem to stern. It's amazing. And, uh, you know, when you have two Oscar winners here, two beautiful Oscar winners what are they thinking? This movie was going to be released, and they kind of pushed it around the schedule, and it came out around January, which is a horrible sign. Mm. So, uh, if you want to watch it as a movie, don't do that. But if you want to <laughs> get some friends over and watch it as a comedy, I, I kind of recommend it.
0: Now, you 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 mentioned Mids, is it called Midsummer? Is that how you pronounce it? It's Midsummer. Called, I think. The, I think the director said Midsummer. Midsummer. All right. Now, I was interested in this because this guy put out this film, Hereditary and it got great reviews. And I don't, I have to admit, I don't like horror. I don't like gore, but I do like scary movies. I like eerie movies and all this. I hated Hereditary. I, you know, I thought it was stylish. Uh, I, you know, it was, the t- actors were certainly more than talented, but it was just grotesque. I mean, i, I it was not one of my favorite films and they're bi- they are bi- building up this one too.
3: Yeah, you know, I liked it more than you did Hereditary. I remember, but yeah. I, It was very divisive for sure. But this is a movie where it's two hours and 20 minutes, I think. And it could have been told in an hour and a half. Now, when you have a slasher movie, you don't care if the characters were thin or the plot doesn't make sense. But this is a cerebral horror movie. It's supposed to be kind of a better, sort of an upper notch kind of a situation. It is boring. You know all the beats ahead of time. And there are scenes that go on and on and on. And I'm thinking... I'm, I'm scrambling to find the point, and I, I just couldn't see it. It's a very bad, very dull movie.
0: Is it, has it got any... I mean, that, the one thing about Hereditary, it had that one scene in the car, which was... Yeah. I, like, I was sorry I watched it, because I don't want that stuff in my head anymore. I'm, I'm just too old <laughs> in my head. But it was in, an incredibly horrific scene. Brilliantly done, I had to admit it. You know, it, does it have anything like that in it?
3: Mid-movie, there's a couple of moments that are close to that. That one, I agree, was... I mean, I, I felt like 20 minutes after I saw that scene, I was still
0: thinking about it. Yes, you couldn't get out of here. So
3: it's got something similar, I guess you could say. But it, <laughs> if you hated Hereditary, oh, you're going to despise <laughs> it. But I'll leave it at that.
0: All right. So give me give me some more. What are the other terrible pictures? Uh, I heard about Godzilla. Everybody hated that one. but uh... Yeah,
3: you. Know, it's, I don't want to even... As a film critic, I should not be putting that on my worst list because it's it's Godzilla. It's, you know, it's not Citizen Kane. But when you take a bunch of really good actors and you insult them so dramatically, <laughs> like Kyle Chandler and Vera Farmiga, then it deserves it. Also, the dead don't die in the movie I was really looking forward to. was a zombie comedy. Bill Murray, Adam Driver, Tilda Swinton. Great cast. It's deadly dull. It's droll, but without the humor and that's a horrible combination.
0: Did you hear the I'm I'm a Bill Murray fan. I think he's really funny. I mean, he's a talent not just a talented actor. He's one of the very few funny actors around. Mm-hmm. But he got slammed by uh his, his name the Canadian actor uh who was in uh, what about Bob with him? Um Oh, Richard Dreyfus. Yeah, Richard Dreyfus. No. Did you hear? It? Oh, he called him a big Irish bully. He said he got drunk and Terrorized him on the set and all that stuff. It was and and it kind of it kind of came and went. It disappeared without a trace. But it was a real takedown of him. I didn't
3: see that. And there's kind of a cult around Bill Murray. Like he'll pop up at a wedding unannounced, and he'll take pictures with strangers. And if you want to get him to your movie, you have to call a special number. He's just he's almost a professional eccentric. So I think maybe that swarmed that little bit of news because I didn't hear it.
0: Wow. It, yeah. It, you know, I was overseas. Maybe they played it up there uh, uh-huh. and and not here, but it was really, uh, it was really, I was shocked. It was a shocking little interview and he just threw it away. So let's move on to another subject that is really mm-hmm. bugging me, which is the Disney live action remakes. Uh, let, we'll start there. My, my daughter, Faith Moore, wrote a book called Saving Cinderella about other misinterpretation of Disney princesses and they seem to be taking classic Cartoon movies, the you know, the Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast, mm-hmm. and all this, and turning them into live-action mediocrities through political <laughs> correctness—is that a fair description?
3: I, I think it's it's certainly in the ballpark. Here's the thing: Disney right now is the number one brand in entertainment. They've got the MCU, they've got right. Pixar, they have this whole library they can play with it like it's a playground and they can put the themes in they want and we're all going to line up because it's still beauty and the beast it's still mulan it's still aladdin so i think that their brand is so strong and their connection with the audience is so profound that they can do what they want they can they can make a woke captain marvel and people will line up to see it for weeks on end so i think that's their strength at the moment and i think they've got decades of goodwill so i think they can do what they want That's, that's my but, sense of
0: it. But at some point, I mean, somebody I, I haven't gone to see. I, I, I started to watch. I did watch Beauty and the Beast, which I thought mm-hmm. was was fine, uh, although she was such a nasty beauty that I was just I, I couldn't get <laughs> just, just seemed angry huh. the entire time. But but I heard, like, for instance, in Aladdin, they cut out the scene where her the princess's uh hand is about to be cut off, uh, that she no longer has to be married. She can become the sultan. It's become this woke nonsense.
3: Yeah. I mean, this is entertainment culture. They don't hear us. They don't listen to us. They don't care about us they hear what they want to hear which is the community within the Hollywood bubble and that's way they, they i mean they regret movies they made 5 years ago i've seen uh Seth Rogen and Jonah Hill saying oops sorry about super bad it wasn't as woke as it should have been no it was funny yeah. you shouldn't apologize for that we're okay with it we can survive a comedy with characters who are maybe uh out of bounds it's what it's what comedy's all about so i think within that community there's this desperate striving to virtue signal and what do they do? They've got their entire entertainment venue to use it. That so they they weaponize content to send a message to berate people on the right and to get woke. It's what's what's happening. It's it's inescapable at this point.
0: The thing that uh, disturbs me more than even the remakes, though, the, re, the it's it seems sad to take these classics and turn them into garbage. Mm-hmm. But they went back into a Toy Story scene. I, now I, I didn't I couldn't. Did you know what scene they cut out? They cut out from This is from Toy Story Two, right?
2: Yeah.
3: you know it's it's a scene that plays i think while the credits are rolling you know they often look put a little put a little extra information right. in that in those moments an after scene, an easter egg it was one of those bits and listen if you saw it 10 20 years ago you're not gonna remember it at all it's just mm. a throwaway gag but what's amazing about disney is they did it without any controversy there was no mob Demanding they cut that scene. I think they did it themselves. So I think the thought process is so ingrained that they will self censor without even an uproar. I mean, and that's where we are. It doesn't even have to have like a Twitter fight where people, you know, cut the scene is trending on Twitter. It's, oh my gosh, we had that moment. It doesn't fit in with the times, so we should cut it now so future generations are spared that scene because we're all so delicate.
0: But it it means that, I mean, since since most of us don't own DVDs anymore, we stream things, it means we're not going to be, I mean, if they go back and, you know, cut out uh, Snow White singing Someday My Prince Will Come because that's not woke enough, we're going to have no recourse. We're going to have no way to reclaim what was, in fact, a classic movie.
3: Yeah, it, it's a it's a good argument for physical media, for sure. And, it, you know, when we engage in these debates, it seems like, oh, you're it's the sky is falling. It's crazy. But no, look what's going on. Look at the statues being removed, the murals mm. being covered up. We're trying to erase so much instead of explaining the context. And that joke is so innocuous and the kids are not going to get it. And the parents will just chuckle what, at it. What was you the know joke? What,
0: what was the joke they cut out?
3: It was a little bit of a casting couch thing Uh where the villain of the piece was sort of leering at one of the girls. I mean, listen, it's Toy Story. It's G-rated, I'm sure. There's nothing bad there, but that's just the way we're coming as a culture. It's amazing. And meanwhile, Pixar had the guy at the top of the top who was sexually harassing his coworkers.
0: Of course, oh, of course. And you know, all this stuff always covers that stuff up. I know, you know, I've been been talking about this all the time about all the, the Disney stars who've gone off the rails what the hell are they doing to those kids that makes them go crazy after a while? I mean, I, I think all always the woke the woke sensibility covers up something much worse than than what they're actually afraid of, you know? I mean, yeah.
3: I like to see the Hollywood Reporter or Variety do an in-depth story about that, about yeah. the Hollywood. These poor girls going through heck. And I just, it's indescribable. Let's connect some dots. Let's go behind the scenes. But you almost think they don't want to burn their sources. They've got people at Team Disney, maybe, who they don't—they need and, to get stories made.
0: Oh, and their ads, and their ads. I mean, a lot of these, you know, like the LA Times lives off Hollywood ads. They're not going to, you yeah. know, Anyway, I got to stop, but it's great to see you, Christian. Christian Toto of uh, HollywoodinToto.com. Check it out, the weekly Hollywood in Toto HIT podcast. It's great to see you, buddy, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks much. All right, keep me laughing. All right. <laughs> All right, a, a final reflection. I want to talk about uh, what, what these deplorables are doing that is so important. One of the things that you've noticed is the attack on shame, on the very idea of shame, that shame itself is supposed to become a problem. There is a piece in the Philadelphia Inquirer uh, to end fat phobia. We need to dismantle Western civilization, says Philly therapist Sonali Roshat War. All right, Rashat War. Uh, she is she hadn't planned on being a therapist. Her career path, she explained. Uh, the practice she co-owns in West Philadelphia just kind of happened. You see the picture, she's overweight. Uh, she says she endured an abusive relationship in her early 20s. After college, she started volunteering for domestic violence response teams. Uh, she says, all of my work is better to understand what I've experienced, and she's become part of what is called the fat positivity movement. And she says, um, Rashwar traces contemporary fat phobia to colonial brutality and how enslaved people were treated. Citing researcher advocate Caleb Luna, Rashwar said curing anti-fatness would mean dismantling society's foundation. I love to talk about undoing Western c- civilization because it's just so romantic to me. So in other words, instead of just stop, you know, not stuffing her face, so maybe she can get in shape, we're supposed to get rid of Mozart and Shakespeare and Michelangelo and all the great achievements of Western civilization. The attack on shame, the idea, is an attack on the idea that there is a moral template, a human template that we all feel bad when we uh we veer away, when we veer away from that template, we feel bad, we feel shame. That is, shame is a gift, guilt is a gift. It tells us when we have lost our way. All of us, all of us veer from this template. All men know they're supposed to be strong and courageous. All men, all men, even Navy SEALs, know that there are ways in which they're not as strong as they should be, not as courageous as they should be. All women know that they're supposed to be nurturing and tender. All women know that they fail at this sometimes, that they are not the ladies they wish they were in some deep part of their mind, and there's no getting rid of that shame. And what the left is saying, what these people are saying, is if only we could get rid of the society that we would get rid of the shame. This woman is coming right out and saying it. If we could get rid of Western civilization, I would no longer feel bad for being fat. And that, of course is a lie. That template is built in to the human system. And when you believe in God, and when you believe that that we are not just inventing morality, we're not just inventing uh, these templates, we're actually receiving them. We're learning to see them. We have evolved to see the moral world. We've evolved to see these templates. And yeah, sure, they change, and good looks change, and all these things. But at the core, at the core, there is a moral core, a moral template that when we veer from, we feel ashamed. And so they, they want to destroy all these things that they feel ashamed about. Being a slut. Don't slut shame me. Nobody is slut shaming you. You feel bad because you know you're not supposed to be a slut. A slut. Don't fat shame me. You Nobody's shaming you. You feel bad because it's unhealthy to act that way. You're out of control in the way you treat yourself. You need to lose a little bit of weight. They do not want to take responsibility for themselves, so they pile it on to everybody else. Weirdly, weirdly, what Trump has done has allowed that vision to come back into the public square, and we can see the reason, the reason they don't want cheering happy people waving American flags is because we all know that's the way we're supposed to be. We all know that those are the people we're supposed to be. You can be black, you can be white, you can be gay, you can be Asian, you can be whatever you want, but we all know that we're supposed to be love a country that has made us free and prosperous and powerful. We should love this country. We all know it. And because the left is seeking to get away from that shame, to get away from the God who has imposed those templates, who has created that moral template, they want to destroy the entire civilization rather than face the shame. And I really do think that that's at the core of it. Donald Trump doesn't know anything about this. He doesn't think about this stuff. He just knows that he is not going to be taken down by their insults. He's not going to be called racist. He's not going to do what Joe Biden is doing. Oh, I'm sorry I said that. And I'm sorry I said this. I mean, all the Democrats do is apologize because that's the system they've created. Because wherever you go, that system, that moral system is still in place. And that's what they're attacking all the time. What we need to do what we need to do is not come back at them with shame and say, oh, yes, you should be ashamed of being fat. We don't have to be say that. We don't have to say, oh, yes, you should be ashamed of being a coward. We don't have to create, recreate the culture of shame because it's never gone away. It's there. All we have to do is what those people did at that July Fourth celebration in the, on the National Mall. All we have to do is celebrate the good. If we celebrate the good, believe me, the left will expose themselves. They cannot stand it. It's like it's like a cross to a vampire. It is like sunlight to a vampire. To them, to see us celebrating the good because it makes them feel the shame. I'm Andrew Clavin. This is the Andrew Clavin Show. We'll be back again tomorrow.
3: Today on the Ben Shapiro Show, we're back, but Joe Biden might not be. That's today on the Ben Shapiro Show.